All right. I think we're live. We'll let us pull up for a second. Anyways, um, hello, everyone. Uh, you're listening to the Wild wow Pod. Usually Betsy does this. and uh, But Betsy is not here today. She is, uh, she's predisposed, so uh, it's just me, and uh, I'm sorry if, uh, I'm sorry for uh, people having to uh, uh, suffer through the just me of this, but anyways, I was, uh, I was rooting around on the internet, and I found some uh, stuff that I would like to talk about so i am going to talk about it i found uh, a story that's about uh hold on one second about 12 real life uh exorcisms and uh granted it's it's by reader's digest and uh <sighs> reading through it it doesn't seem like any of them are falsifiable but uh we're gonna go ahead and read through them anyway because it sounds like fun but i was thinking we would uh give it a another minute before we jump on um see if there's any uh fun news out there i've pulled up a couple that uh we can chat about and uh maybe we'll kick it off with uh with one of those stories So, uh, in Florida, a doctor was accused of drugging and, um, and, uh, taking advantage of his patients. He has been found dead. Investigators could not immediately determine how Eric Salada, 54, died when his body was discovered in Woodland on Monday. But they said he had a gunshot wound to the head. And he was lying next to a pistol. And that they did not suspect he had been the victim of a crime. So, sounds like they're thinking suicide. Police in the city of Naples had arrested Salada on 21 November on allegations that he had uh, assaulted two patients at his cosmetic surgery clinic after incapacitating them with laughing gas. And, uh... Xanax and tequila. I wonder how he got the tequila in there. Do you think he used the laughing gas to get them uh, a little bit out of it? And then I do know that when you mix Xanax and alcohol, it has an extreme effect, kind of like uh, uh, the stuff that uh, that Bill Cosby used. So. That makes you wonder, like a, a barbiturate, is that what it is? Or prohibnol, something, I don't know. Anyways, um, I do know that it has a heavy effect on you. And uh, so I'm wondering if you use the laughing gas to um, kind of get them a little bit loopy to where, you know, I mean, you know, that it, like when you go to the dentist or anyone, they give you laughing gas. It's not a heavy dose. Um, but if they wanted to turn it up, they could really get you sideways. 
A week later, after the doctor was released on bond, deputies with the sheriff's office in Collier County, which includes Naples, responded to a request to check on Salada after he went out of his home while leaving behind two notes, his wedding ring, and his credit cards. The local news outlet, Wink, Wink TV, that's a, that's a cool news station, Wink TV, Citing the police report, the notes, con- the notes contents were redacted in the report obtained by Wink TV. Mm. So it sounds like he uh, he got popped, fitting to lose his uh, his wife, his practice, and all that. It, here's a crazy thought. So you're running a whatever clinic you know he's a sounds like he was a plastic surgeon or something um what would be a doctor it doesn't even say he was a plastic surgeon um just a doctor but what would be the draw to do that um to take advantage of people like that i wonder that confuses me. But anyways, let's get on with the with the story. I'm just confused. Why would someone want to do that? Okay. Uh, this is by Reader's Digest. Uh, the writer is Lauren Kahn, it looks like. And it was last updated July 27th. And sorry, I have a cold, so, um, you know, or I had a cold. I'm coming out the other side of it the belief that evil spirit can possess humans has been terrifying people throughout history that's probably why the history of exorcism is littered with horror stories such as those oh i'm not going to read through the recounting of the movie but okay 1778 the exorcism of George Lukens. In 1778, English tailor George Lukens was behaving oddly, speaking in strange voices, making inhuman noises, and singing hymns backwards in a ceremony held. Hang on one second. Got to make sure that. All right. Yeah, we're good. Held in Bristol's Temple Church, seven priests commanded the demons who apparently taken over Lucan's soul to leave once and for all. When the ceremony was over, Lucan's recited the Lord's Prayer and thanked the priest. This was one of the few recorded exorcisms with a happy ending. Hmm. Then it says, you know, for more scares, check out the scares movies. Had an advertisement. Now, we all have heard the stories or seen the stories about these uh, uh, evangelical churches that tend to uh, pop up and do some, I'm not saying all of them, but do some shady practices to uh, gain parishioners. And... uh, They've gone through garbages to uh, find people. They have. They've gone through garbages. They've hired actors or had people act. Um, 
there's a story of of uh where they say they would remove tumors and they would use like chicken uh innards and and like the pastor would say i've removed your tumor and then cough them up and and uh things like that and that's uh i don't i don't know that one doesn't seem like yeah it's unverifiable 1842 oh all right you guys ready for me to struggle through a name Gottlieben Didis. Yeah. In 1842, German villagers noticed the strange going-ons at the home of a 28-year-old woman named Gottlieben Didis. That is an unfortunate name. Gottlieben. I don't know. Maybe it's a beautiful name if you speak Deutsch. Didis claimed her house was haunted and soon began slipping in and out of what others described as trance-like states but it was only when a, a religious pastor commenced an exorcism that things went truly nuts let me get some coffee in me Didis became violent requiring physical restraints for two torturous years years during which the pastor performed various exorcism rites Didis vomited glass, nails, and blood. Of course, finally, Didis informed everyone the demons were gone and stated that Jesus is the victor. These real life... Yeah, sorry, another ad. Huh. Vomited glass, nails, and blood. Do you think maybe this person had that... Uh, What's that weird affliction where people eat weird stuff like that show? The lady was eating the stuffing on her couch. Because I... <laughs> All right, we're getting closer to now. 1906. Clara Germana Selle. Sell. Seal. C-E-L-E. Selle. I don't know. A 16-year-old from South Africa... Clara Sally was heard making a pact with the devil and soon became, soon began behaving erratically, tearing at her clothes, growling, speaking in tongues, and demonstrating superhuman strength. In 1906 and 1907, two priests performed exorcisms on Clara, during which her skin burned when touched by holy water and her body levitated before 170 witnesses. But after a noxious smell was observed leaving her body, Clara was deemed free of evil. This one's a little closer to the movie, where her, her body levitated and uh, her skin burned from the holy water. That's a little closer on point. Let's knock out another quick news story. Um, so Sam Bitten, for those of you that don't know, Sam Bitten is, hey, what's up, what's up, King? Uh, talking about exorcism in the last 10 years, they have quadrupled in numbers. And that's something, it's hard to find um, current information on exorcism. It's, it's, and I think that's because it's sensationalized and... 
there's not a lot of church records kept. Maybe. I'm not sure. But it, it, that kind of, you know, eh, I don't know. But let's go on. And so Sam Bitten, everyone's probably seen them. Um, they are a non-binary uh, of, uh, administrative official for nuclear waste disposal. And uh, they've worked in nuclear waste disposal for, uh, I think it's something like eight years now or whatever. But anyways, Sam Brinton, Brinton, not Bitten, Brinton. Um, you'll commonly see them, uh, they have a shaved head, a uh, fairly sculpted mustache, and usually wearing... Um, uh, a ball gown or a dress or um, yeah anyways it's kind of shocking to say the least and I, I don't want to disparage them on their uh, gender or non-gender uh, forgive me if I Stumble over words. I am an old man and I don't. I'm just trying to go along to get along on this stuff. Anyways. So. Uh, what would you. Sam. Brendan. Was at the airport. Um, at Minneapolis St. Paul. And grabbed a three or two thousand three hundred and twenty-five dollar Vera Bradley suitcase off the baggage claim, you know, the carousel, and pulled the name tag off of it, and then walked out of the airport with it. Now this is a uh, an expensive suitcase. I don't know who Vera Bradley is, but. They make uh, top-of-the-line suitcases, apparently. And so, an investigation's done, and um, a month later, the police get a hold of, uh, of uh, them, they, them. What would you say, um, like if I was going to say, like for me, say Mr. Anderson, for Betsy, you'd say Mrs. Brown. Um, for Britain, what would you say? Let me see if the chat, if anyone can enlighten me on how to say this, uh, how to, uh, I need to reach out, find someone to teach me some stuff. Anyways, the police contact them, said, hey, you know, did you take this? And they're like, oh, no, I didn't take anything. Couple hour later, couple hours later, calls back and said, uh, <sighs> "Britain told the police they first realized the bag wasn't there when they opened it at the hotel, according to the court filing." Let me skip the pictures. They got nervous that something, someone would think they stole it, so they emptied out the suitcase and dumped the woman's clothes into the drawers of the hotel room. See now. 
that's what makes people think you did steal it, right? Because had you, oh, dang, this isn't my stuff in here. You know, I must have got it on accident. And then, um, you know, take it to the hotel desk or, or call the airport and say, hey, I grabbed the wrong bag. Is there any way we can, you know, make this exchange? That's when you don't look guilty. Brinton allegedly put the ordeal down to exhaustion. When police were first alerted to the stolen bag, they reviewed surveillance footage that showed that Britton allegedly, allegedly grabbing the luggage from the carousel and removing the ID tag, identifying the owner. Britton was later captured on surveillance using the same suitcase on at least two trips to Washington, D.C., on September 18th and October 9th, according to authorities. It was October 9th when they first contacted him. And, and if someone stole your $200, you know, Samsonite or whatever, the police aren't going to look that much into it. But if you have a $2,000 um, bag you're probably in the economic class that the police uh, jump through hoops for. And this isn't a, a weirdo case of saying that the police, oh, they only jump through hoops for that. But if you're in that economic class, you probably have lawyers and friends in the mayoral's office and things like that. Things that that they that make it so the police can't ignore you easily. Britton said, if I had the wrong bag, I'm happy to return it, but I don't have any clothes for another individual. That was my clothes when I opened the bag. So they are saying that when they opened the bag, it was their clothes in it. So but then why'd they pour it out into the dressers? I mean, were, uh, you know, say shadiest case, they could have just left the bag in the hotel room and blown it off, you know, pretended, you know, but it looks like they stole that expensive bag. What does this expensive bag look like anyway? Doesn't ever show a picture of it. Yeah. Britain has been charged with felony theft of a movable property without consent. They've been placed on leave in the wake of allegations, and uh, another official has been named as their interim replacement earlier this month. If convicted, Brinton could face up to five years in prison and or a $10,000 fine. Ooh. So... Now, when you are um, working for anything in the nuclear department, you have a security clearance. And when you um, convict a crime with a security clearance, you lose said security clearance. Um, and you can no longer work in that job. Now, 
if he's convicted, sorry, if they are convicted, they will um, not be able to maintain in that department. I would think um, there might be a waiver they could give them something else. And I don't know if they run through what system they run through or whatever, you know, civilian side, but, you know, conviction of a felony. Um, you have to get heavy waivers to get that security clearance back. Now, I am not saying that uh, Brenton is a um, uh, affirmative, um, that's not the right word, is a emotional hire for the position. I'm not saying they're not, but um, if they are, that would kind of be a stain on that emotional uh on that status of process for hiring because of uh because it showed that they hired someone without doing the due diligence on checking them out and uh not really trying to offend someone here but i gotta say Security clearance process is there for a reason, and it is not foolproof, but if someone is showing that they have any kind of uh, mental disorder, it's kind of hard to pass on a security clearance to put them in a job that requires it. And I know that sounds cruel, but you don't want to have someone who has a desire to where they would go to this extreme to obtain a, a you know a two thousand two and a half thousand dollar bag. You don't want to have them put in charge of something where if the chance to gain a little bit might cost them, but it might not or might tempt them to do something shady and cost all of us and that's kind of why we have that system why they have the background checks into the financials into your medical history into your mental health and i'm not trying to say that person shouldn't be employable or anything else but do you want to put the well-being the welfare of the rest of the nation, even if it's just a part of it, do you want to put it in the hands of someone who is showing um, some mental, maybe not mental issues is the way to put it, but that is showing uh, desire or that's, showing i don't know how to put it but if i'm wrong in this please let me know i'm willing to uh debate it but seems to me this is not near as fun a show right now anyways let's get back onto it i like it when betsy's here and i can bounce the funny off of her because i'm not as good a reader and i'm not half as smart oh anna uckland 1896. Anna, uh, Anna Eklund, Eklund, was not a real name. 
but it is it is the one people associate with this classic American case of demonic possession. Thanks to the 2016 horror film, The Exorcism of Anna Eklund, the real girl was born in 1882, which means she was, what, 12, 12 14, and her name is unknown. Her father accused her of being possessed by the devil at age 14 after she refused his sexual advances. After several years and two lengthy exorcisms interspersed by foul play, thanks to Anna's father, this is oof, sad. <sighs> thanks to Anna's father's lover, a woman named Mina, who practiced black magic and introduced another demonic possession. Anna was finally, Anna was, finally she was freed of her demons in December 1928. Okay. So, 1896 through 1928. So, uh, we're looking at 32 years. So, she was 14 when it happened. Means that she was, what, 46 when it finally ended? Her father was uh, being a dirty perv. And accused her of being possessed after she said no. Man, we were broken people back then. Hopefully we're not broken now. That's, uh, that's heinous. And then her mom or her father's girlfriend, Mina, introduced another one. Sounds like the the demon the last demonic possession's name was Anna. Kind of goofed the writing there at the end. Let's see if there's anything on here. Ba boom, nope. All right. Nineteen forty nine, Roland Doe. This thirteen year old boy in the records of the case, his name was changed to Roland Doe to protect his privacy was mourning the loss of a beloved aunt. This is, I think where the story of the exorcism comes from when he began seeing and hearing strange things as a possession worsened, Roland began demonstrating violent superhuman strength. His parents took him to St. Louis in 1949 for a weeks long exorcism now known as the St. Louis exorcism. This is the story on which the exorcist is based. Roland screamed, cursed, and attacked his exorcist until a miracle, according to the exorcist, finally led Roland out of his trance-like state. The boy simply stated, he's gone. Hmm. Let's see what happens if I click on the St. Louis exorcism. To do In the picturesque Belnor neighborhood of St. Louis, Missouri, sits a beautiful colonial style on Roanoke Drive that was once the home of a boy called Roland Dole, aka Robbie Mannheim or Robbie or Ronald Hunkler. Thirteen-year-old hmm. boy believed to be named Ronald Hinkler, Hunkler, later referred to Roland by Roland Dole 
where Robbie Mannheim was despondent over the loss of his beloved Aunt Harriet. Harriet was a spiritualist who taught him many things, including how to use Ouija boards. Mm -mm -mm. Shortly after Harriet's death, Ronald began to experience strange things. He heard scratching sounds coming from the floors and walls of his room. Water dipped, dripped inexplic inexplicably from pipes and walls. Most troubling of all was his mattress would suddenly move. Father Albert Hughes, the local Catholic priest, asked his superiors permission to perform an exorcism on the boy in late February 49. The church granted his request. And this be a good one to read in full. Ooh, 74. Michael Taylor. When Englishman Michael Taylor, a husband and father of five, met 21-year-old, this year before I was born, folks, met 21-year-old pastor Marie Robinson. One more coffee break. His frequent bouts of depression seemed to ease. In part, Taylor believed it was due to Robinson's ability to exercise demons plaguing him. After Taylor's wife confronted Taylor about a possible affair with Robinson, he physically attacked her. This led to an actual exorcism by two ministers that took place on October 5, 1974. Michael had seizures, spit at and bit the exorcist, and screamed in tongues. The next day, he brutally murdered his wife, he wasn't convicted, however, because of the defense's argument that the exorcism had made him insane. Man, I think we need to uh, also look up Mike Taylor for uh, some later reading. Mm -mm -mm. Annalise Michelle. I believe that's right. Annalise Michelle. Ah, their book, The Exorcism of Annalise Michelle by Felicitas D. Goodman, relates a tragic story of from Germany. It also is the basis of uh, the 2005 horror film, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I think I saw that, but I don't remember it. Like Michael Taylor's exorcism, Annalise, Annalise's story also ended in murder. Only it was Annalise who was murdered. The German woman's demonic possession was actually an undiagnosed brain disorder, possibly epilepsy, schizophrenia, or both. But being a religious young woman, Annalise welcomed exorcism to help her cure her. After 67 attempts, each unsurprisingly unsuccessful, the 23-year-old succumbed to starvation. Two of her priests were convinced of homicide. No one can explain. All right. I think I'll also look that one up. The Exorcism of Gina. Oh, one second. King. The people involved in the movie all had troubled lives and had stuck and had stuck a 
stuff occur on the set. Uh, are you talking about uh, the uh, Exorcist? Because that also happened on Poltergeist, wasn't it? The young girl died tragically. Um, there's been a couple of movies. That'd be a fun one to look into. Movies that have haunting uh, sets, you know. I mean, let's. I mean, let's look at like John Wayne died of a rare cancer that they think came from being in downwinders areas of uh, southern Utah, where he filmed a lot of the cowboy movies. So, I don't know, be interesting to look into uh, what stuff has come out of movies. But I think we need to do another uh, news story. Let's see what we got. All right. Here's a rough one. Um, forgive me. So... A nurse at uh, Spring Valley Health and Rehab Center, SVHRC, stands accused of cutting off a resident man's foot, according to media reports. So, all right, we'll just, I'm just going to cliff notes it because this is a gross story. The 62-year-old um, arrived at SVHRC in March 2022. So this was, you know, even at the time he arrived, he was not in great condition. The man had been living alone, had fallen in his home, and been able to, unable to get up. And so he's, he fell, was stuck on the ground for uh, an unknown but considerable amount of time. And while he was down, his foot had succumbed to frostbite. So this nurse, um, Mary Kay Brown, his foot is dying from frostbite. It's become necrotic. He's laying in bed, and, and she says it's only held on by like one tendon, one little piece of skin. She tells two other nurses she's going to remove the foot, and the other nurses tell her not to, and she, uh, they go in there to, you know, do the nurse thing, bedpan, sheets, whatever. I don't know. Um, and she pulls out a pair of the uh, medical cloth scissors and starts cutting his foot off. Puts it in a biological safe bag and puts it in a freezer so that she can warn kids to always wear their snow boots. She's just a nurse. The guy didn't tell her to. Upon questioning the other two nurses, one of them says, um, he just sat there and didn't even seem to notice. The other nurse said he scrunched up his face and, you know, kind of complained, asked, you know, what are you doing? I can feel all that. He said it hurt like hell and he could feel everything. But I would say that this nurse Mary, uh, she should probably not be a nurse. I think they should look and see if there's a position in the laundry for her because, oh, oh, that's rough. King says, 
Most movies involved in old school horror movies used actual bodies or stuff used in movies without people. Oh, really? See, I'd heard something like that. I'd heard that a couple times they used real bodies in it and it shocked some of the actors that were, oh, oh, yeah, I would lose my, uh, I would lose my crap. I'd lose my mind if uh, they put a dead body on me. I would lose my mind. All right. We'll do this, uh, do this one last one. Apparently, somewhere in Thailand, um, a whole Buddhist temple had a drug test, and uh, it's at Boon Lert Thin Tap Thin Tap Thai. A local district official told the AP News Agency. All right. Police officers forced the temple's abbot and four monks, so we got five people, to take drug tests on November 28th. They all popped for meth. So this whole temple's emptied out now. No monks. Because we had a... uh, a Buddhist temple in that place I said earlier, and you're not going to force me to say it again. All of them uh, were just smoking meth or shooting meth or snorting meth. or I don't know what all you can do with meth, but they were doing it. And this is not the first time that this particular temple has been involved in a drug deal. Um, not only is a drug bust at the temple an embarrassment for Thailand's Buddhist establishment, it also puts the local faithful in a difficult position. The temple is now empty of monks and nearby villagers are concerned they cannot do merit making, which I imagine is, um, kind of a holy practice they have. Uh, Merit-making is an important Buddhist practice in ritual Thailand, which involves residents donating gifts, most often food, to local temples and monks. And it might be kind of like a karmic thing. You do good for for them, and it's it makes you feel good. Oh, yeah. By doing so, they, uh, they're generating good karma for themselves, which results in merit, a beneficial force that brings fortune and positivity. The locals aren't doing this just for themselves, though, as according to Buddhist practices, your merit is shared with deceased loved ones. That kind of sounds like a scam. The monks set up a situation where they don't work or don't have to work. I'm not saying they don't. They tell people who live nearby that if you bring us goodies... We will, (laughs) you'll gain this positive benefit, but not just for you, also for your dead loved ones. How about this, people of that place I can't say again? Why don't you uh, go find elderly or poor people or a retirement type home or people who just need help? 
donate stuff to them and see if you can gain merit that way. Just throwing it out there. It's just a thought. I don't know. Makes you wonder what they're going to do with the monks. Thailand's pretty strict on, uh, on drug use. So it makes you wonder what they're going to do with the monks. Hmm. Okay. Was found by accident and instructed a small child to set it free. Don't know if he was freed. What are, what are, we, what are we talking about here, King? Elaborate on that. Something was found. All right. We'll go on with the story. Got a, what? I think two more left. Yeah. In 1990, Reverend James Labar oversaw three exorcisms, all sanctioned by the Archbishop of New York. So it's 1990. Recent, 40 years ago, 42 years to be exact. Is it 42? No, that's not right. I apologize. That is a, uh, a faux pas of mine. That is what? 30 years ago, 20 or uh, 28 years ago. I am sorry. Not really. We all know I'm dumb. Um, Cardinal John O'Connor and the Vatican. One of them, the exorcism of a Florida teenager named Gina. Wow. So is the Archbishop of New York like the boss of all exorcisms? Because this is in Florida, or she's from Florida. Was televised on the ABC network in 1991. New Week described the ceremony, which was accompanied by medieval-style music as little more than the gratuitous torment of a dis deeply disturbed young girl. They don't say how old she was. Strapped into a chair, she screamed and barked unintelligibly whilst the reverend pressed a cross into her face and told her supposed demons that if they wanted pain, he'd give, them, he'd give it to them. Meaning, of course... The helpless Gina, ultimately, it was antipsychotic drugs that gave Gina relief. Oh, yeah, that is not a real exorcism. That is someone just... Okay. 2003, Ter Terrence Cottrell. In 2003, an autistic eight-year-old boy named Terrence Cottrell was killed during a prayer service that was intended to drive out the evil spirit, supposedly causing his condition. The official cause of death is mechanical asphyxia due to external chest compression, meaning Terrence was suffocated. The Reverend Ray Hampfill, who had performed the exorcism, reportedly sat on the boy's chest until he stopped breathing. The Reverend was committed of homicide. Eight years old. Ooh. Oh, sorry. We got two more now. That, one, what could an eight-year-old do that would make you think they need an exorcism? That's when you look at the parents. 
Um, cause the parents have obviously, uh, somehow that kid has been led wrong. And, uh, you sit on an eight year old's chest. I, I'm not a little guy. I'm fairly big, but I'm over 200 pounds. And I couldn't imagine sitting on an eight year old, not with any, no, mm -mm. Mm. 2000 fine. Marissa, Marissa, Irina, Cornisi, Marissa, Marikika, Marissa. I'm going to choose to do it like that. Romanian nun, Marissa, Irina, Cornisi was 23 when she began hearing voices. She thought it was the devil talking to her. Although she was treated for schizophrenia, she, she relapsed and was then subjected to an exorcism, bound to a cross, <laughs> gagged with a towel, and left in a dank convent room for three days without food or water. Cornisi died of suffocation and dehydration. Oh, so she had been treated for schizophrenia. Did they not know that? I mean, that's obviously she's got, she's got a, a condition that, you know, let's, let's lean on that first. If you've already been treated for that, let's not jump right to, oh yeah, this time it's not the, the, uh, I don't want to say abnormality, but it's not the affliction in her brain. This time we know it's, you know, a demon on Christmas day, 2010. A 15-year-old boy, Christy Bamu, was beaten and drowned in a bathtub in London by his sister and her friend in an attempt to exorcise evil spirits from the boy. Originally from the Republic of Congo, the pair tortured the boy with knife sticks and metal bars, a hammer and a chisel until he begged to die. The pair were convicted of boy's murder. Can you imagine that? A sister and a friend kill their 14-year-old brother. Man. Okay, this is the last one. Instead of, there's 13 of them. I probably said that in the beginning and forgot. Forgive me. Counting is not my strong suit. If you thought exorcisms were a thing of the past, guess again. In, in Argentina, church officials filmed the exorcism of a 22-year-old woman named Laura Bishop. Hold on. By Bishop Manuel Acuna. Laura rides, bangs her head, and screams profanity. Supposedly, the exorcism ends well with the evil spirits leaving Laura. And the bishop makes a sign of the cross over her. Hmm. So that's about a... Uh, well, that one doesn't look like it ends bad. That one sounds like it could also be theatrical. But yeah, that's a, that's some insane. I don't know. I to me, I'm just gonna lay it out there. I I don't know if I see any uh, proof of uh, possession in any of those. I don't know. I don't know. But we're going to round this show out. 
Oh, da, 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 da. King says, after many possessions have been kept secret after that. Was found an accident instructed by a small child set it free. Oh, okay, so you're talking about a demon was found by accident. Okay. After that, many possessions have been kept secret after that. Very crazy stuff. 13, very odd for an exorcism show. I know, you'd think I'd have caught on, right? I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. And uh, I don't know, this is just something I come across. I didn't even read it before I come across it. Um, Betsy couldn't make it today, so she'll be back next week, hopefully. Um, but, uh, you know, everyone, keep her in your thoughts. Everything good. Uh, I would like, what I'd like to do is I'd like to cover uh, kind of more uh, real-life experiences with you know, entities, because ghosts, aliens. Uh, but my favorites would be Skinwalkers, Bigfoot, Wendigos, um, Chupacabra, you know, things like that. So I might look into it and see if there's something next year. Oh, King says, this year, the season spirit wasn't in it for some reason. Well, King, economically... There is a lot of stress in the nation right now. A lot of stress. Um, he says, I noticed that no one been in the holiday spirit for some reason. Yeah, there's a lot of economic stress, a lot of uh, worries about the future. Um, I think uh, I think we're having a kind of a coming apart. Uh, nationally, um, our economy's kind of struggling. Um, like, like this FTX story. That is a wild one. That's one. Maybe I'll have to, maybe I'll sign on again this weekend and I'll talk about that. I know that a lot of people, people are, there's three cases on this. Either people are ignoring it outright. People are blaming it on like it's a Democrat front. But some Republicans involved in hiding it too. People are trying to say, you know, but you've got people that are ignoring it outright. It's all the Democrats. It's a Democrat thing. Or, you know, blame it on crypto. Those crypto there's no controls and i think they're i think the political front is correct now and i am gonna i you know what i'm gonna jump back on here on maybe saturday or maybe even late tomorrow night or sometime maybe tomorrow early and talk about it some more about some thoughts because i've been digging into it and like i heard one thought that it was a way of gathering money to kind of to put that money into control vectors for messages, right? Um, so there's been a lot of weird control messages coming across, and maybe maybe this was a a portal that say a corporation that made something. 
um, maybe they could use this as a portal to buy ads or stories in newspapers or politicians so it didn't add back come back to them. So let's say, for instance, a company that made shots um, wanted to buy pleasurable media, wanted to buy politicians that'd be on their side and stood to have a windfall from it would cycle money through this company and it'd come back to them. Also say there's maybe a war in a foreign country that the government stood to send money to. And this did happen. That country also then put money into FTX and FTX put money into mostly uh, Democrat super PACs, but also a little Republican. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think that our political class is robbing us blind right now. They are robbing us blind and running away uh, because they see on the horizon where uh, we're facing Thucydides trap with China and they see that on the horizon. They see we're regulating ourselves and culturally uh, adjusting ourselves out of a competitive market on the world stage. So they're leaving, they're heading to countries that are still competitive, that, that still have that young drive and thirst. We're sliding ourselves out of that. And so they're moving somewhere where they can continue to make profits as we're going to revert to a service economy or a service strong economy. And they're going to take the wealth and run away. And that's kind of what I see FTX is. There's more to it, a lot more. I don't know near enough. And, and this is mostly just me kind of reporting what other people do. And maybe I'll, I'll need to dig in and, and have someone come on that can really do a good show on it. And we can really look at that. But that's where we are. And don't ex do exorcisms on people. Sounds to me like that is regardless. Oh, well, let's put it like this. If there's a demon in someone, um, I don't know if it's if there's a human that can pull it out and uh, if there's not, you're encountering someone who needs medical assistance and not just drugs or whatever, but maybe therapy or maybe a safe place with a fancy new long sleeve sweater to wear and just going to sit on their chest. King of Hueco Mundo, money is the root of all evil. I don't know if money is. I, I See, I see money as caloric storage. That's a fancy way of saying it. Money is how you store calories for later use. Whereas, let's say I raise chickens and you sell cars. I raise chickens for eggs. 
How many eggs would I have to carry to you to buy a car? So an egg can only last X amount of time. Only last, you know, uh, three weeks, a month, whatever. So I would have to store every egg for a month, and that would never equal the amount of that car. But with this caloric storage, I can sell my eggs for the money, store the money, or go get the car in a promissory note to give you part of that money. And so it's just a caloric storage. So I don't think money's the root of all evil. But I think... The root of all evil is people's willingness willingness to obtain that caloric storage at any cost, especially when they're willing to abuse other people to obtain it. And that's just my thoughts on it. But, all right, everyone, I'm out of here. I'll probably come back on this weekend and dig some more for a 15 minute talk about um, that FTX. Hopefully people get on there, banter back and forth with me on it. I want to learn if you guys, any out there know anyone who knows about it, give my email, uh, Jared at the wildpod.com. I would love to chat with them just to hear their thoughts. Uh, We're not to the bottom of this. And I think after the uh, Jizzy Maxwell thing, I mean, right now the guy just did a talk at the New York Times over it. You know, King says, but you do all that for stuff to get money to buy them or have stuff the rich have. Well, it's not only just having stuff, but it's also convenience, you know. Um, An automobile is a convenience. I have a great big van because I'm also a handyman and I haul a lot of tools with me, so I buy this great big van to haul my tools more effectively than spending an hour before I head to the job site every day, loading up my truck with the particular tools, get a great big van. I can haul all, almost all of them all at once. Every time I go anywhere before that, I'd have to unload some stuff, put some stuff in, you know, all this time I need table saw and paint supplies. Next time I need, you know, woodworking stuff. Next time I need, you know, just, it's just a time saving thing at a cost. You know, I bought the big van there's a big cost that, but like if you're, you know, your truck breaks down, you need to pay for it. Like what if you had to, again, back to the egg thing, eggs, I got an egg truck, I haul eggs around in my egg truck, engine breaks, I need engine work done, go to a mechanic and I can say to him, look, I'll bring you two eggs every day for the next 35 years to pay this off. Or I get this caloric storage where he can then go and that caloric storage can be dispersed in multiple ways. He can buy gas with it, tools, parts, a, a ring to woo his girlfriend, dinner. He can go all different ways instead of just stuck with these one eggs, you know. Make a promise for eggs. What if he finds out, you know, later on in life he doesn't like eggs or he's allergic to them or, you know, whatever. And that's that's how I see money. It's just people when they're willing to do when they're willing to harm or abuse other people to gain this caloric storage, that's where, that's where we kind of hit the hard part with it. All right. Got some other comments on the other side. Oh, boy. 
Got a lot of them here. It's going back. This is on the Facebook end. Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Jackson. Sarah. Oh, you are a loner. I should have called you, Sarah. I could have used you on here. Could have used your uh, your help. You know a lot more about this. Okay. Sarah says, I don't even understand why even try to steal something like that. Wearing items. Wearing items like that or a matter hauling around items with obvious designer labels is not classy and elegant. Not the point I know, just pointing out from a woman's point of view. Was it just to make them look like they have money around with the wealth they work with? I don't know, crazy for sure. That is. Talking about uh, Mr. I'm sorry. Talking about uh, Benton um, stealing that uh, case. Maybe you needed a guest host today. I think you are doing fine, though. I don't think I am. Yes, I did need a guest host. I should have reached out to you. Um, I have a hard time believing people back then would straight out say they were into black magic or admitting to being incestuous pervs. I know, that's crazy. And even back then, was it normal or okay for a father to, you would think, that they would see the abuse of a father on a kid and that would be abhorrent to anyone, anytime, anywhere. Yeah, the Roland one is the Exorcist movie. That was the most like my experience. I told you, and I should have brought Sarah on. Sarah, um, Sarah, when are you willing to come back on? We'd like to hear your story. Uh, you, um, yeah. Sarah, Sarah has uh, some practice in demonology and things like that. Be nice to have her come on. Annalise, another movie, I think. Emily Rose. Uh, damn, at least one proper sterile, sharp equipment like scalpel or bone size for cutting off the guy's foot. Yeah, that's heinous. Oh, it jumped. Where are we at? <clears throat> that is very unethical. Would lose a license today. Yes, it's a great idea. So many you need. I'm going to just uh, browse through. Utah's okay. Sarah says Utah is supposed to have its own exorcist. Every state is supposed to, but we don't. There's not enough exorcists to be assigned. And is there enough need for exorcism? There are so few hospital psychiatrists who have been working with exorcists for decades and have written papers with their diagnosis believing that demonic and believing that demonic and not mental issues. It's not every case, but they have seen enough to believe in it. Well, here's another question. Wouldn't it be interesting to, if this is the case, to get psychologists to start working on that to um, aid in that because... Uh, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid of religious zeal where psychologists maybe have a different outlook and also two avenues of tools that they can come to it with. A lot more, well, I shouldn't say a lot more support. We all know the Catholic Church is wealthy. Okay, Sarah says, we are, probably ha we are, we are going to probably have a civil war. That's what I see coming. 
I don't know, but I can't see comments at all. I'm watching live weird. Now the comments are coming across. The ones I've been reading have been on YouTube. So if you hop on there, you can interact on that side. I wish I knew how to bring them together, but I'm sure there's a way. I don't know how. <coughs> yes, there's a lot that goes into exorcism, and they have they have to have. Oh, uh, it jumped. <coughs> Sorry, guys. One reason I like the comments on YouTube is because it doesn't jump like this. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into exorcisms, and they have to have a physician present, not just like, okay. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Dying over here. Um not just like Okay, I will do that by myself with zero training. Betsy, hi guys. Hey, Betsy. We miss you. Very bad, especially now that I can't talk. Christy says hello. Okay, Sarah, I'm going to have you come on. Um, <laughs> hard part is it's kind of last minute. Now, about having the doctors present, that might be in uh, Catholic exorcisms, but there was that one where they sat on that kid's chest, and that was in the 90s. Man, I think I'm gonna quit breathing here any minute now i think they start with doctors and psychiatrists that don't believe in demonic because they want an outside view i think you're right i think you're right man okay to do back to king Good subject for a show, amigo. Yeah, I want to talk about that FTX, and I really want to get some more experts on here. I'll reach out and see if I can't find some. I give you an old remedy that works to get over cold fast. Chicken soup, but soup you make at home. Yeah, my brother makes a beastly chicken soup. I need to get him on it. I need to get him on it. Okay, Sarah says, I think it I think that is called deliverance when not Catholic. Same but different terms. Angel says, Good show, very odd stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, it is it is interesting. It it is it's scary when you think about it though, because I don't know. I think most people move about the world most of the time with good intentions. 
But every once in a while, there might be people without good intentions. And I would hate to have a priest come in that had a moment of not good intentions or didn't have good intentions on the whole and be in charge of an exorcism. But I do need to cover um, one, one show I've been thinking about covering, and I don't know if you guys know who this is, but Malachi Martin. Malachi Martin was a priest in the Catholic Church, I think in the 70s, 80s, and he, um, I think he was an exorcist priest. <coughs> Excuse me. But he left the church and started writing books. So he writes a pretty cool uh, fiction series. Or is it fiction? I don't know. We'll have to check that out. We'll dig through that together. All right, everyone. I'm going to cut out of here. Let you guys uh, carry on with your weekend. I'll try to jump back on this weekend, maybe Saturday. And just kind of dig into what I know of FTX. I'll try to find someone, or if you guys know someone that knows about it, please reach out to me. I want to dig into that more because that sounds like, on the outside, big conspiracy land. But until then, um, yeah, we'll see you guys uh, later. Have a uh, have a wonderful night weekend humming humming and uh let's uh please let's all pray for betsy to be back next week so i don't have to you know pull the intellectual side of this show that's rough <laughs>